From Austin, Texas, two knuckleheads take on the most prestigious collection of classic and contemporary cinema, one movie at a time. This is Ben and Ben and the Criterion. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna. Come check out the cat. After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality. And that's the double truth. Try number two. When you get to a hundred, wake me the up. The one thing is for sure, they have a coven and they want my baby. You drop me off in Rushmore, I gotta go get a teacher fight. Why the man said me? He's trying to take you off the hook. The numbers all go to eleven. I want this one moment. And suddenly, you understand everything. Hey, Big B. Hey there, hey Lil B. Yeah. I don't know why I am Big B because I think like you're the thicker B. <laughs> like in a good way, you're musclier. I have the uh, what is it, elephant syndrome, where you th- you don't realize how big you are. You mean like big dog syndrome? Big dog syndrome. Yeah. I think that's more. Of well, a- elephants are scared of mice. Are they? Mm-hmm. I've also seen baby elephants like cuddle people and sit on their laps. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's adorable. I, I have both of those things. Them. I don't. I, I still see myself as a gangly sixteen-year-old who is just really passionate and loves sitting in laps. Yeah, I did. I did. That's how a friend of mine uh, got her nickname. Well, no. Uh, so I played tennis in high school, and our school didn't have a tennis court. We borrowed another school's tennis court, so we would have to drive from our school to that school. Mm-hmm. You know the schools. I think it was. What's that high school? What's Richland? North Richland Hills? Yeah, what's their high school? There's North the, Richland Hills High School. There's that high school right over there off of like uh, 820 by the Chick-fil-A. There's like tennis courts. I don't know. Do you know? Okay, anyway. Do you know Andy Marsh, my friend? Yes. I think she was homecoming queen there. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, We should ask cool. her what her school was. <laughs> anyway, so we would go to those tennis courts and we'd have to drive. And when you're a freshman, you can't. You don't have a car. That's true. And so you had to, like, buddy. Hopefully there was some upperclassman who thought you were cool enough to ride in their car. Thankfully, I had friends. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Amanda, and I would always fight for, like, the passenger seat in our friend Caitlin's car. And uh, one time I called it and was running for it, but she, like, got there first somehow, mm-hmm. even though it was totally mine. And so I just, like, sat on her lap. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit on your lap the whole way there. I own this seat. I called it. Exactly. I will be sitting here. Exactly. And uh, and I did. And as one as a gay man, but two as essentially I more or less mentally a prepubescent gay man. There was nothing wrong with me sitting on a girl's lap because I was like, what? There's nothing. What is this? I mean, it's high school. There's lots of laps sitting. And only later did people say, yeah, that was that was a little weird. And I was like, Amanda, was that weird? She was like, no, they're weird. I have this year sat on or had a friend sit on my lap because we didn't have enough seats in a car. It's not that weird. Uh Uh-huh. It's not weird. Um, But it... I was going to say this. actually got. Maybe we just live like such a bohemian, liberal, just amoral lifestyle that to us it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I feel like once you live in a co-op, you can do anything. That's true. Almost anything to anybody with consent, and it's fine. I mean, I did live in a naked house, so yeah. like, maybe my views are a little warped here. Yeah, it's once you get accustomed, once you as a male get accustomed to a woman walking around topless, and it's you can be like, oh, we passed the grilled oh, cheese. Breakfast time. Yeah, the vegan grilled cheese, that, it's fine. That looks like a great smoothie you're making. Once you, get, once you can get used to someone who obviously hasn't showered in three weeks, and their Johnson is just hanging out, like you're pretty liberal. Yeah, that happened on my, like, visit the house day. <laughs> Did you ever... I, I, this was a prank that I heard about. never experienced myself. But apparently in colleges, bros being bros thought it was hilarious when a guy was at his computer in his dorm working to just come up and put their dick on his shoulder. Did no, that ever happen to you? I've never been a part it's of like, that. It's like some of the, like, bro hazing that happens between bros. However, it's also kind of sexual harassment a little bit. Or like a lot of it. A lot of it. <laughs> yeah. I don't associate much with the type of bro who would find that funny. <laughs> I imagine like after that, they'd be asking me what I thought of the latest sports match. And I'd be like, who yeah. are you? Why are you in my room? You're We're like, excuse friends. me. I'm almost done with my copy of the New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, y'all. Uh, enough fooling. We gotta get a, to yes. get to talking to this movie. Get to talking to this movie. Talking to and about it. I can't speak right now. Uh, y'all, this has been and been in the Criterion. I'm Ben Weaver, and that's and I'm Ben Hilton. And we talk about movies. We talk about the Criterion Collection. We talk about a collection. We talk of, about films. We talk about cinema. Do you ever listen to uh, You Talking You Two to Me or their new show, You Talking R.E.M. Remy? I don't. They have a recurring thing where, like, whenever they say something, they'll act. They'll have, like, shows within their shows. Oh. So one of the common shows within their show is I Love Film. And <laughs> it just plays, like, some old-timey music, and they just, like, talk about how they love films. And then they'll, like, say the name of three films, and then they'll say they fucking hate movies. <laughs> <laughs> Only, like, highbrow films. Oh, so they're parodying our show. Yeah, except they started before us. Okay. Well, I've never heard it, so I can claim that it, this is original. We didn't cross over. And I didn't think about it until I started listening, because they have a new show now. Right. And like, they started doing it, and I was like, oh, that's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but then, this is a joke to them. This is like our whole podcast. Two white guys talking about pretentious movies. Yeah, although we're younger. We are. Half of us are gay, so like, yeah. that's different. It is. There is diversity. It, it's not the same thing. It's no. completely different. Very different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this week we're talking about uh, the 1945 British romantic drama film A Brief Encounter, mm-hmm. which I was mistaken. Uh, last week I was like, oh, this is the movie that inspired Before Sunrise. I looked, I did like at least five minutes of research, and I couldn't find that at all. <laughs> I couldn't find where I saw that. It's also not the same kind of plot as Before Sunrise. Right. Really. It's it's similar in that it's a very intense, brief romance. I'm also going to say, come clean, I completely forgot that you said this was the inspiration for Before Sunrise. Oh, I didn't. I remember I totally everything forgot. I say. I totally forgot about that, so I didn't even think Okay, he's wrong, because yeah. I forgot. Well, that's good. Um, so this, one, this movie is directed by David Lean, uh, who did Summertime, which was an episode that we did before. It's in the, like the teens or something. Yeah, one of our early eps. Um, it's, a, it's about... Uh, British suburban life on the eve of World War II, centering on Laura, a married woman with children whose conventional life becomes increasingly complicated because of a chance meeting at a railroad station with a stranger named Alec. Yes. Um, yeah. So I did think this was... I, and honestly, I've listened to so many uh, like hour-long interviews of Richard Linklater on YouTube. He may have referenced it there. I'm not... Well, I mean, I'll go back later and watch those, but I was like, eh, I don't want to... Do it now. You already had to watch a movie. Right. Um, But yeah, so this movie is kind of a classic that people, that like film people love. Um, It came out in 1945 and it did really well despite the fact that it's about an affair. Um, Censorship was huge at that time and uh, the filmmakers thought that this movie was going to get like not shown very well or, or wasn't going to be received very well, but it did so well. Um, it did well in uh, the UK. It came over to America and it ran for like eight months in New York. Like wow. it did, did some work. Uh, I believe David Lean and the main actress, uh, who, what is her name? Uh, Celia Johnson both got nominated for Academy Awards. Like it did well. It got nominated for best picture. I remember that. Um, but it kind of it, it it's not one you hear people talk about a lot um until recently like it's had this resurgence it's it's um it's just kind of been rediscovered i guess mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it, it feels like a classic uh just kind of feels like a classic 40s black and white movie i'm going to say i enjoyed this one you did it was so so bright and their voices were all so British and old timey. Yeah, I want to before we talk about the actual movie, okay. I want to talk about something fun that happened while I was watching it. Tell me about it. So I had the subtitles on because you know the accents were a little thick at time, and I just wanted to make sure I got all the right words. Uh-huh. There was at one point well, these people are talking rat and, catcher syndrome. <laughs> except this time I had the subtitles, but these people were talking in the most like proper British voices, mm-hmm. and it was it was all very highbrow. Yeah, but the subtitles like for a second switched to like text speak, so it was like the letter U instead of the word U. <laughs> it was such an interesting juxtaposition of like. <laughs> Fancy wordplay, and then just like AOL instant messenger. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, the characters in this movie talk really pristinely, and I think uh, 
the director was worried that the way that the main actress spoke was going to get ridiculed. Uh, there was a screening that they did where uh, a woman in the front row started laughing at her voice and then just continued laughing. And so the director thought, oh, no, this movie's going to bomb because they talk so, you know, with such a thick accent and so properly. Um, it didn't. It did really well. Uh, let's see. Oh, I'm just reading. In 2017, Time Out magazine saw it ranked as the 12th best British film ever. Wow. Yeah. So... Um, this one's tough. This is a tough movie because a lot of, there are a lot of publications who have gone, retroactively gone back and been like, this is the most romantic movie ever made. However, it's also so tough because it's about people cheating. It's about these two people who have their own lives and then they meet and they fall in love. Um, it made me think I remember, I don't remember what, it, what film it was, but when I was growing up, I wanted to see a movie. And I asked my mom if she wanted to go see it or something. She was like, no, why would I want to go see that? And it was about, it, I think it had people cheating in it. And she was like, why would I want to go do that? And I realized, I was like, oh, yeah, when you're in a relationship, you don't want to watch a story of someone cheating and being insanely happy. Like, it's not something that you want to think about. I mean, but this isn't like a overall an insanely happy glorifying story she's like broken up about it the whole time right and it ends sadly and well, she almost well i'm not gonna ruin it the the whole time i kept feeling for the her husband because he was just like he was he was very good to her he was out of touch but he was very good to her the whole time he yeah. was just like the boring husband and i was like oh shit <laughs> that's gonna be me <laughs> The one who's just like super supportive, but just can't be the. Did you have fun at the dance bar? Now help me with seven down. Ugh, uh, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, but it is a beautiful movie. Um, oh, where are my notes? Let me get my notes. Oh, ben forgot his notes. What a silly Sally this guy is. Okay. Um. So the movie starts with like uh, a train pulling into the station and it starts with one of the most gorgeous shots it's this train pulling from left right to right and it's black and white and there's beautiful smoke uh it's gorgeous and the whole movie is gorgeous it's really pretty um i found out that it was shot by the cinematographer who would in five years shoot uh the third man which is a classic black and white film noir movie with orson welles have we done that one or are we or have we just talked about it before we've just talked about it. we've never done it um because you would remember that one because that one is dark um, but also another reason why this I say this film has been rediscovered is that um, a recent film kind of paid homage to the opening of this film and uh, we'll talk about it after we talk about what the opening is um, so it opens at this train station and it goes uh, <clears throat> we, we kind of move into the restaurant or the little cafe what would you call that little, it was like a little uh, shop yeah a little restaurant and bar just at the train station you know you've got just like your basic croissants i guess some booze coffee tea you know just refreshments yeah and uh we see the it's like a starbucks at the train station exactly in 1930s because this movie set in the 30s and we see the woman working the counter like kind of like flirting with this uh guy who works at the station he's like a conductor probably based on the outfit. and they're flirting but she's like holding back you're like oh that's weird you're, she's also like she's seems upset with him yes she's moment. upset with him and then we look over and we see like a couple in the corner and they're just like quietly talking and then you know somebody else comes in and and uh this woman comes in is like oh hey uh what's her name uh laura there you are she comes in and sits with the uh, this guy and this girl that we who, don't know we don't know but we can very obviously tell that they do not want her sitting there and she does not pick up on it just misses at it all yeah and it's really it's such a powerful scene because you can tell that they're having some sort of intense moment mm-hmm. and this woman is just like i went shopping and i bought gloves <laughs> I was shopping till I dropped. You know? <laughs> oh, I wish I had known you were here. We could have shopped together. Right. I don't know why I did Southern, because that's not at all what she sounds I like. feel like people who are ignorant and don't pick up on social cues just earn having a Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just like talking, and they're like, well, there's the train. And uh, and the couple, or the, the, the man and the woman are like, there's your train. And he's like, all right, I got to go. I'm, I'm going to Africa. I'm getting taking a job in Johannesburg. All right, he gets his coat and he puts his hand on her shoulder for, for like 
a second and a half. And then he's gone. Like a brief little squeeze. And then this shopping lady just keeps on, keeps on talking, keeps on talking, and the woman is out of it. She looks like she's about to faint. She looks like she's about to pass out. Well, so first, the girl, uh, the talkie girl is like, I'm going to go grab some chocolate. So she goes up to the bar, is talking, ooh, I'll have some milk chocolate. No, never mind, I'll have the plain hold. <laughs> How devilish of me. And then she turns around and she's like, oh, where did my I say, friend I go? I love that. I love that reenactment. <laughs> that was awesome. And then she looks around and she's like, oh, where did my friend go? Yeah. And then uh, all of a sudden her friend just like walks back into the room and it looks real rough. White as a ghost. Yeah. Which was hard to tell because she was already pale and it's in black and white. Yeah, but you could tell that she was even more shook up. So these two friends, they, they chat for a little while and then they get on the same train. After having some medicinal brandy yes. outside of drinking. I hours. loved that. I loved that so much. They went up to the counter and were like, can we get some brandy? She's not feeling well. And they, they're like, oh, it's not like the time that we're allowed to serve liquor. And she's like, well, you must be able to serve it if someone is sick. <laughs> <laughs> Which I had no idea that brandy was used like for medicinal purposes. I mean, alcohol like, is whiskey. like it's always been kind of used for that. Yeah, I guess to like make you yeah feel or, better. Like, they'll put it on babies' pacifiers if they're crying. You know, medicinal. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Laura and this woman walk to the. They go to the train and uh, they're the woman is just chatting away and we get inside Laura's head and we get her just being like. Uh, She's like, I hate this woman. I hate her so much. She means well, but Jesus Christ, she (laughs) should not shut the hell up. That is her point. Like, we're just staring at Laura's face, her just like really downturned face, and she's just like, fuck this woman. She's like still prattling on, oh my God, how does she not understand how uncomfortable and unhappy I am? And she's trapped, and the only way that she can get out of it is she's like I'm feeling sick I'm going to close my eyes I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a nap just so that you stop talking <laughs> at me which I used to do that I used to pretend like I was asleep all the time just to like avoid like when I was really young situations um, or... I loved the idea of being able to listen to people and they not know yeah <laughs> but this is like the opposite because she wanted she to wanted stop to listening right um, and so she then goes home. Go ahead and take over because I want to look up a quote. Um. Well, so she goes home. Uh, she's basically telling her husband that she's not feeling well. They go up to the to the drawing room and recline, and he's doing, you know, the crossword to relax. She's just laying there playing music, and then we start to like so, hear into her head, and she's like, oh, if only I could tell you the story, but I'll never be able to tell you. So then she tells right. us the story. And so here's the voiceover and that was that we heard in the train I want to go back to because it's really, really beautiful. Okay. Um, and I she, liked our <laughs> version, but okay. Yeah, so she says, this can't last. This misery can't last. I must remember that and try to control myself. Nothing lasts really. Nothing, neither happiness nor despair. Not even life lasts very long. There will come a time in the future when I shan't mind about this anymore, when I can look back and say quite peacefully and cheerfully how silly I was. No, no, no. I don't want <clears throat> I don't want that time to come ever. I want to remember every minute always always to the end of my days. It's really pretty. Um, and it uh, you can tell that this was adapted from a one act play. Um, the one act play was called uh, Still Life. Um, <clears throat> written by Noel Coward who David Lean and Noel Coward had like a working relationship. Uh, I, I didn't go too deep into it but they were kind of connected. Um, but this movie is Full of really good dialogue, really good monologues like that, um, really heartfelt, thoughtful, emotional uh, pieces. And so she says that, <coughs> oh, here's the thing that she says when she's looking at her husband, Fred. Uh, let me see. What is she? She's, oh, <coughs> I, I wrote about this because I wanted to reference it. She's like, She's basically like, I want to tell you, but I can't tell you. I can never one. tell you even more old because you'll always like look back on it this time. Exactly. Uh, she's like, I'm a happily married woman, or I was, rather, until a few weeks ago. This is my whole world, and it's enough, or rather, it was until a few weeks ago. But, oh, Fred, I've been so foolish. I've fallen in love. I'm an ordinary woman. I didn't think such violent things could happen to ordinary people. Mm-hmm. She said that line, and I was like... Yeah, yeah. I was like, that is such a good line. <laughs> I didn't think such violent things could happen to ordinary people. Uh, and then we get the story. 
We, yes. We figure out what's happening. Flashback. Flashback. Maybe this was actually the inspiration to that one movie where the guy can only remember six minutes at a time. Memento? Maybe this is the inspiration to Memento. Maybe. And every other movie that's told this way. <laughs> it is a really nice device. Uh, I read an article where David Lean talked about the story and how boring it would be if it was told like start to finish. and But how starting at the end... And getting that emotion. I'm wondering why were those people so uncomfortable at the right. Starbucks? Right. <laughs> they were just listening to Kenny G. Why were they so <laughs> perturbed? Um, but then I it mean, was. I at- think that question answers itself. Yeah. Oh, Kenny. <laughs> I wonder if we're ever going to look back on Kenny G and be like, "Hey, he actually made some some music that sounded nice." I'm be honest. I don't actually know a single Kenny G song. My dad loved Kenny G. My dad had a CD. It just sounds like a name car. that worked worked with the joke I made, so I just went with it. Yeah. Um. So we get this flashback. We get uh Laura going backwards and. Uh, we go back to that station like a couple weeks before, right? Yeah, it's probably like four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I'm going gonna, gonna to read over the plot. Okay. Um, so she, um, it says she's a respectable middle class British woman uh, in an affectionate but rather dull marriage, which is like the saddest thing. That is like, that's... I don't know. Is that? Do you think about that? Do you, I? I think about that all the time. That's one of my about biggest what? fears. Of be, becoming like a dull marriage. Becoming uh, someone that a significant other, a friend, a family member, someone really close to you gets tired of, and finds boring. Yes. I like to think that that'll never happen to me. So. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but I no, think... I, I guess because now, like you know, you get older, you don't party as hard, you don't do as much fun things, and you're like, I'm gonna. Stay inside this Saturday, and then someone's like, "Well, I guess what you, what I wonder about is, well, why is it that people want to be around you? You know, if you're exciting and you do fun things, you can under, you, you think you can understand why people want to be around you. If if they only want to be around you if you're doing fun things, that's pretty superficial. Um, the reason why people wow, personally attacked over here. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is there has to be something deeper. There has to be some sort of like, hey, I'm sticking with you because you're great or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been in a long relationship. <laughs> but I, I think about like my, my parents who, uh, maybe not the best example, but I, I think about long-term relationships and I'm like, well, what, 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 how did you guys not leave each other? How did you guys not get bored? Maybe they did. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, a dull, an affectionate but dull marriage is my nightmare. Well, um, I, I'm guessing that's how most of them go. You think so? Oh, some of them might not have the affectionate piece. Yeah. But I feel like. I don't know many people like in their fifties who I think that's a fun couple or like yeah their life doesn't look dull. I just want I and maybe it, maybe it is being raised on movies, but I I always thought like oh I want a relationship where even when I'm into my fifties and sixties I'm very like enthralled by the person I'm with. Is that too much to ask? Is that a, is that a does that happen? I don't know. I've never been fifty or sixty, so I guess I can't. Yeah, but you, you don't feel comfortable speculating wildly. I'm going to say it's possible unlikely, though. Ugh. Man. Love sucks. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, I like, I, I think about, like, getting older, and I'm just like, I want somebody who is excited to come back to the house to see me, you know? Like, somebody who's like, oh, it, it's... Well, I'm sure, like, that. that's a lower bar. I could see that being pretty common. But, like, the idea of not getting used to someone enough to where you're like constantly enthralled and surprised seems unlikely. Yeah. Although I've heard people say they're like 20 years together and she still surprises me every day or something like that. I've heard that before. I wonder if that's just a line. I kind of feel like it is. (laughs) Maybe I'm feeling very pessimistic today. Okay. Okay. No, I like, I like figuring out where you're at. I'm feeling, uh, optimistic. Although this movie was really rough. I'll be honest. It was really rough to watch. Uh, just because I don't like the idea of of a significant other being happy with somebody else, that's not a fun thought. Fair. Yeah. Um, but 
I don't know. I guess it's a big ask. I think it was a it was a it was an ask for the '40s to be like, hey, let's have these two characters fall in love, and we want y'all to root for them, which you you do. You end up you end up wanting them to be together as you watch this movie. I don't know that I did. You didn't? No, I was kind of like, I mean, they're having fun, but it doesn't seem. You like seem it. really I uncomfortable. Right I didn't. Now. Think, I just like I just like didn't feel like it was gonna work out or should work out. I kind of. Yeah. I guess I also had that like gift of hindsight because I saw the end at the beginning. Right. You knew that it wasn't gonna last. Yeah. I okay. So let's 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 talk about it. So she's. We flash back to the first time they meet, which is she's standing on the train station. Train goes by. She gets something in her eye. She's like, "Oh no!" And she, what do I do? Yeah. She runs into the Starbucks. <laughs> she <laughs> she's like, "Ah, give me some water. I just need to." Flush it. Yeah, I'm just going to pour water on my face. It'll be great. Yeah. And uh, he comes over. Uh, Alec comes over and he's like, I'm a doctor. Let me help. Yeah. Which it's just like grabbing something out of your eye. You don't Which, need to be a fucking doctor. <laughs> you don't have to, but I would trust the doctor more with it than like me too. the barista. <laughs> me too. <laughs> they come at you with one of those long stairs. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'll, how, just, I'll just not see. I didn't fine. think about this until this moment. How was that for you when she had something in her eye? Oh, I just didn't pay much attention. <laughs> I knew what was going on, but I was like, he'll fish it out. This isn't going to be a long time. And I also, like, just based on how the movie's going, I didn't expect, like, a close-up of the There wasn't going to be an extreme close-up of her yeah. eye. <laughs> Which so I, I know that we've talked about this on the podcast, listeners, but uh, Ben Hilton and I... I'm not a fan of eye-touching. We saw The Lobster in the same movie twice. theater. Oh, you saw it twice? I saw it twice. I didn't even see it twice. Wow. Um, but... After the movie, I was like, how was it? And he, this was the first time that I learned that he has an extreme aversion to anything having to do with eyes. It, well, just anything having to do with touching eyes or eyes that aren't doing great. Yeah. They and, look great on people. <laughs> I love them. They, they, you'd see with them. It's great. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't seen The Lobster, there is an extended, extended scene. Where it looks like he's going to poke his eyeballs. Where it looks like he's going to jam his face into a knife. Yeah. What Ugh. Ugh. Wasn't happy about that. Now <laughs> that we have brought up the lobster, yeah. I want to talk about something else. Tell me about it. This week, I told you about a friend of mine who said that with my mustache, I looked like Colin Farrell from The Lobster. Yes. You replied, no comment. And I was wondering, does that mean yes, I did, <laughs> or no, I didn't? Uh, first of all, I don't even remember replying no comment. So when I said earlier, I remember everything I say. That's a lie. You didn't say it. You typed it. It's different. Okay. Um, you, you replied, no comment. I... <laughs> now, can we... Yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> I wish I had a bright light. To show. Let me pull out my phone. I'll uh, get a flashlight. I'll yeah. let, let's, see, let's see what... Because he had a mustache for a while, and then he shaved it off. Wait. Wait, what? I'm just interrogating he, you. Oh, he's shining a bright light on me to interrogate me. I thought you were going to sh- shine the light on your mustache to see if there was any. No, uh, no, no. Now, what did you mean when you said no comment? I don't remember. I don't think. Tell us the truth. I don't think. <laughs> your audience demands it. I don't think you looked like Colin Farrell. Um, I think that Colin Farrell has the look of somebody who is going to rob a bank. And I think that you have a look. Of, of someone who is going to go into the bank, take a lollipop, and say, thank you so much. Okay. That <laughs> kind of answers the question, but I'm tired of holding up this flashlight. So this uh, interrogation If over. I ever figure out how to actively uh, post it to Twitter, uh, I'll post that photo of you with the mustache. What we'll do here, I'm going to make a point right now. We're going to take a photo of us recording today so that listeners can know how great you look right now. And I did look great, but I changed to be <laughs> amazingly wanted, comfortable. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to look professional when you podcast. You're like, I'm just I really no, I really just didn't want to sweat and I was wearing jeans. That's true. It has heated up sleeve, today. Sweet, long sleeve shirt that I love. I look great in. I love it. Um it was real cold this morning. It's not cold now. I get it. It was. I mowed the the lawn this morning. I went real dad. Oh, you're such a dad. I am. I'm so happy about it. I'm so happy about becoming a dad. Like I'm balding. Like I'm mowing the the lawn. I make jokes that I obviously love, and everyone's like, "That's just a dad joke." Now you are missing <laughs> one very key aspect of dadship, which is like a kid. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting a dog. Does that I count? I think that I think that's a good first step. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm loving it, man. Also, if you could get that dog before I move so I could play with it, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work on yard that. Yard bar. First things first, I need to get a new job. Yeah, you had that interview recently. We can talk about that off air. Or on. All right, how'd it go? Great. Got more interview. Uh, got another interview this week. Nice. Third round. That's so many rounds. I know. Interviews, why can't they just be like one quick thing and be like, all right. I mean, it makes sense. You don't want to just interview somebody and they crush it and then you realize that they're like a serial killer who's stealing all your money. I mean, yeah, but like if they crush it once, what are the odds that they're going to walk into the second one and be like, also, I killed your family and I'm going to rob you blind? Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Listeners, in case you, uh, in case you were wondering or could hear anything, uh, somebody got murdered outside and that's a great segue back into our movie. Yes. Um, because love gets murdered in this movie. And uh, so they... <laughs> they uh, Laura and Alec meet each other. Gets the sh- he gets the shit out of her eye, and he's like, goodbye. And she's just like, okay, that was cool. He was Thank handsome, you. but whatever. Um, what a nice doctor doing free services. Let me see. Um, okay, so something that I, I, we missed, but we need to go back to. I'm so sorry, listeners. This is all, we're all over the place today. As usual. Uh <laughs> The coffee pot that she had when she was with her husband. It was this Oh, yeah. It looks like a chemist's, like, it's like this little it glass looks, it, circle. It, it looks like pipe. It looks like, like piping in a, the shape of, like, a U. And, like, the glass was held. It was, like, it was so almost imagine, industrial coffee yeah, pot. Imagine you've got a crystal ball. Yes. You put a pipe onto that. Yeah. You put it on a big metal contraption to hold it. Yeah. I'm imagining you put a Bunsen burner under it to like <laughs> roast the beans and like make the water all coffee. I like. saw it and I was like, "Of course I want that." I it looks I'm so. Probably cool. gonna order it when I get home. <laughs> okay, I'm just looking over my notes. Um, yeah, so uh, they he helps her, and then she runs into him again. Is she eating? Is that yeah? The so basically, that she goes to this lunch place and it's very crowded. But she gets in there right at the perfect time. A table opens up, swoops, swoops in, in. Like grabs everything it. you want when you go to lunch. Yes. Yeah. It's like this morning when I was at the bakery. A table opened, swooped in, grabbed it. Had yeah. my bakery food there. What'd you get? What'd, what'd you eat? Cream cheese Danish with a, with a cappuccino. Fantastic. Quax knows how to do it. Like, did you? Oh, you're up at Quax. Okay. Yeah. It's nice. a quick, quick little jaunt from Katrina's house. Yeah. So. She's like sitting there for lunch. The doctor walks in, no tables. He just saved that girl's eye today. She owes him a spot. She sees table. him and she's just like, Oh, come sit with me. He's well, like, Well, she oh. says, Oh, hello. And he's like, Can I trouble you for this spot yeah. at your table? And she's like, Take it. Yeah, and so they sit and they're ch- they're just they're just being two strangers, just being cordial. Yeah. And uh, but then immediately their chemistry kicks off. They they start joking, their rapport is great, they uh they see this weird woman playing the cello, I think. Who's doing, like, a, I think she's just bad at it. Yeah, she's just bad, and they're, like, they get an inside joke. Yeah. They're laughing. Like, oh, uh, music. And they have a great time, and he buys lunch because he was like, oh, I stole your seat. It's the least I can do. Or I think he said, uh, I've, I've uh, stolen so much of your time, uh, the least I could do is pay through the nose for it or something. <laughs> it's very witty. Yeah. They're both very witty. Great. Yeah. Um, which, if I am going to like try to redeem myself, the rapport between these two people could have been an, an inspiration to Before Sunrise. Also, it seems to me, you know how everyone talks about like Sorkinisms or like how Aaron Sorkin movies are. I, after this movie, thought that the only movies he had watched before he started making his own was like '40s British films, because like yeah. every conversation in this movie is just like. It's like this rap, 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 right back and forth. Just like quip, quip, uh, Mm -hmm. witticism, quip. Yeah. And I was like, for sure. I'm definitely going to watch this whenever I start writing something and I need two characters to hit it off. And you're just going to be like, great copy paste. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, and just the little things like they, uh, they finish with their lunch and then do they go to the movies? Yeah. They're like talking about going to the movies and she's like, well, you've got to work today. You and he's like, go. no, I killed two people. I can go. <laughs> he's like, oh, I killed two patients today. The maiden, would, I, there's no way I would go back. The maiden's so upset with me. 
which it was never cleared up if he was actually serious or not. I think he was joking. He, no, he did clear it up. He did? She was like, oh, you're too much. And he's like, no, but seriously, I finished most of my work this morning, so like I can play hooky with whatevs. So they go to the movies, and... Uh, and it's they're really excited. Flames of Passion is the movie, <laughs> a little on the nose, but it's fine. <laughs> it's nineteen forty-five, and uh, out of like in front of the stage, out of like this pit, this woman playing the piano rises, and you're like, oh cool. And Laura's like, oh my, oh my god. god, it's cello girl. It's, and the woman like dramatic close up on this woman turn around, and it's the cello woman. I think before they saw her face, they're like, this woman is awful. Yeah, they're the like, she sucks. Like, oh my god, it's her. <laughs> So they have this rapport, and uh, they're just having a really good time. And they're just, it's like, it's what you, I mean, obviously, this is what you go to the movies to see because it is a movie, but it's two people connecting on such like a really clean level, like just like, boom, hitting it off. Um, and I think at that point, it probably flash, it flashes back to Laura sitting in the, in the sitting room with her husband Fred. I'm calling it the drawing. The room. drawing room, and she puts on some music, you know, really loudly, really loudly, and she just goes into her own world. Um, let's see. So, do we want to go ahead and take an intermission here? It's yeah, about, it's about that time. Oh yeah, let's. So we'll talk about intermission. We'll go to intermission, then we'll come back, then we'll talk about the steamy romance that is about mm-hmm. to unfold. Mm-hmm. Good old old fashioned romance. <laughs> But like the dirty kind, because they're not together. Bum, bum, but they bum. never consummate it. Come pretty close though. Yeah, this is some in the mood for love shit. Totally. Yeah, and I, and I am. <laughs> <laughs> They might see. <laughs> it should be a society for the prevention of cruelty to musical instruments. You don't play the piano, I hope. I was forced to as a child. You haven't kept it up? No. My husband isn't musical at all. Good for him. Well, for all you know, I might have a tremendous burning professional talent. Oh, dear, no. Why are you so sure? You're too sane and uncomplicated. I suppose it's a good thing to be uncomplicated, but it does sound a little dull. You could never be dull. So that was a little bit of the uh, the witty repartee. Is that the right phrase? Of, yeah, of, you got it. Of uh, Laura, Laura and Alec in the 1945 movie directed by David Lean, Brief Encounter. If you've made it this far and I need to reintroduce it, what were you doing? How did you, also, you, have you not read the title of yeah. the episode? And you did you just really want to get to that intermission? You love that theme well, song? Yeah. Are you a listener who goes to the intermission because you love the like rejuvenation that happens after? I get that. And maybe you're just somebody who like skips around and you landed on this you moment. Realize... And you're like, I'm really excited to hear people talk about uh, the first time that someone uh, experiences underwear. It also it? could be. <laughs> it's a really bad joke. About podcasts? Brief encounter. Uh, I didn't that, know. That fake laugh hurt real bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that hurt. Sorry. I just totally like missed your joke. What I was going to say, though, was uh-huh. that they probably skipped to the second half because they realized we normally don't start talking about the movie. It's very the true. Half. Yeah. We are, all of our uh, listener probably just <laughs> – all of our listener just jumps to the uh, the part where we talk about the films that they've watched. Do, do, what did, I wonder if we have anybody who, like, regularly watches all of the movies. I doubt it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's hard to get a hold of all these movies. Yeah. We're uh, – our uh, point of entry is not easy. Yeah. It's not even easy for me to watch all of these movies. <laughs> to make the, show. the fact that our podcast is so inaccessible kind of weirdly works. It yeah. weirdly makes sense in my world. It's it's who we are. You're uh, Eventually we're going to start we're going to we're going to do a spin-off podcast where we talk about been and been in the like top box office movies where we exclusively talk about Transformers movies See, but I don't have and Harry Potter movies. Either. Yeah. What I need is a podcast where I can just show up. No prep. You've said this before. I know. Yeah. Because it would fit my schedule so much better. Yeah. Well, uh, 
<laughs> I feel like we're not at the place in our life where in our lives where our aura is uh, worth something. That's true. We're grinding right now. Yeah, building our brands. Yeah, so that we're we can rising just start talking. and grinding. <laughs> By watching classic films. It's a real grind. Yeah. Hopefully this is like a long-term investment mm-hmm. where in like, let's say 10 years, you know, you're in some important meeting with some business person. I've got person. my antique microphone yeah. with me. No, no, no. You're in some, some okay. you're in some, uh, you're in some meeting and someone is like, yeah, it was, I had this crazy summer where I, I met this woman and we had this whirlwind romance in in the UK and you can be like, oh, like that brief that, encounter. And they'll be like, that was exactly what it was like. Boom. Or where you got I, the job. <laughs> or I'm a rabid industrialist buying companies left and right. Warren Buffett part two. And I want to buy some movie studio. Yeah. And the, the movie guys like, I don't like you corporate suits. And I'm like, oh, you don't know. I am an artiste. Yes. If you go read and listen to my back catalog and just see how much I know about films. I'll be like, wow, I should have never doubted you. You would, you can be like, I've listened to so many movies that aren't in English. I am That's true, and I've watched them too. Right. <laughs> uh, I just love the idea of you being like brief encounter, and then he gives you a knowing smile, and you're like, "I got the account." <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's talk about this movie. So um, it's their third meeting. Um, I forgot to mention that she describes. He starts talking about his job, and she describes that he looks like a boy. Uh, because he looks so excited, and because he's so excited, um, and it, it at that point it crosses a line, and it's it's kind of like a date. Uh, let's see, scene of planning Bobby's future after he gets the concussion. He talks about it. Oh, that's right. Future. So, okay, so they start. They just start regularly meeting. They just start. They're like every Thursday. Every Thursday, at this at this hot Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks, but with alcohol. Yeah. And they, when was the moment when they fall in love? Help me, help me remember. I mean, obviously, it's just like a gentle. I would say it's probably when they're in that little rowboat, and mm. it's all silly, and then they go after, and they're like cleaning his. That's clothes. right. Because so they spend a day hanging out. They like they go to the lake. They're walking around. She's like, "Oh, I see boys that look like my son Bobby, but that should have made me think of something. But I didn't. I didn't feel bad at all. I just was enjoying myself so immensely." The whole time she's talking, she's she's doing this voiceover, which is in her mind to Fred. Uh, it's it's really helpful as a viewer. It's also really heartbreaking the things that she's admitting because we're really getting uh, a really specific insight into her brain. We they go in the rowboat. They're about to run under a bridge, and and she, he's like, "Turn!" And yeah, she doesn't. And she doesn't turn, and so he has to like cl- like scale the bridge, and then he drops down into the water, and they laugh. Yeah. And then where do they go? They they go somewhere. They're like, it wasn't that clear, but it looks like they were in the back room of some place, like cleaning up his shoes and mm-hmm. pants after, and they're drinking tea. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's. I'm trying to. It, it, was that at the friend's flat or no? No, okay. no, no, no. The friend's flat was one specific purpose. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um. So she, she continually like she'll go and meet him. And then they'll be like, all right, next Thursday, uh, we'll meet you here. And every time during the week, she's like, nah, I shouldn't go. Nah, yeah, this, is, this is bad. I don't I'll like I'll just this. not go. Yeah. But she always does. And he's always so excited to see yeah. her. He always runs across the street from his doctor's office, like giddy like a schoolboy, just happy to see her. Just like when he's talking about preventative medicine, <laughs> his two passions. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's. It's romance. It's Hollywood romance. This, even though it wasn't a Hollywood movie, it's Hollywood romance of two people just like connecting and wanting to be with each other and falling in love. Uh, they end up going to like a farm. When is that? What What is that reason? They 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 go driving. They walk across the bridge, and then they're in the barn. I thought they were just like he's like I'll just take you on a drive. Okay. And they end up there. So the, and that's that's the moment when it becomes undeniable because they 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 walk on this bridge. Is that the first time they kiss? I think so. Yeah. So they go on this bridge and they kiss, and then they go into this barn, and he's just like I love. You and she's like, she's like, shut your whore mouth. (laughs) She can't, and it is. I was crying during this scene because you can feel 
one, how much they care about each other already so quickly, how much they feel for each other, and two, the pull of their responsibilities and their lives, pulling them apart, saying, don't do this. This is dumb. Be sensible. You both have families. Yeah. I just, like, I was so conflicted because I want, the whole time I was watching this movie, I wanted to completely give in to the romance, but I found that I couldn't. I was just like, I need them to go back to their significant others. <laughs> but, see, I didn't have as much trouble with it just because, like, I was like, I knew they would. Because, again, I saw the ending. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And uh, so they, they're in this bar, and he's like, I love you, and you can't say that you don't. She's like, I do love you, but it hurts so much. That's um, true. And when does she lie? That's a big that's a big moment. So I think that was a little bit earlier. She basically spent the day with him, and uh, her husband asked, like, what was up? And she was like, oh, I had lunch with a friend. And Call her Jane. I had lunch with Jane, and then... I went to the pictures by myself because Jane was visiting her in-laws and couldn't come. Yeah. And so she lies to her husband, but then not only does she lie to her husband, she then calls Jane and is like, oh, Jane, darling. Jane, can you back a sister up? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I I bought a present for Fred and I don't want him to know. So I lied and said that I was with you. If you run into him, even though we haven't spoken in months. Yeah, can you back, <laughs> back me up? Will you back me up? And Jane's like, of course, darling, let's get lunch. You'll do the same for me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um... And, oh, I just remembered that I teased the opening, and I was like, oh, a, a modern movie has ripped this off. Yeah. Uh, should I just talk about it now? Yeah, go. It was Carol. Did you see the movie I, Carol? I think I saw it with you. So, did it we was see you, me, and Katrina, and we saw it at the Violet Crown. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that. Cause, well, I remember seeing the movie and crying. Yeah. Uh, so, the opening of Carol is... Uh, Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara in a shop like that and it, yeah. they're just two people it, it's not like alright here's our two main people it's like oh they're just two people having lunch I've had a few scenes like that where yeah. they're like another scene where they're having lunch and they're just like in the bottom right corner I of love the screen it. I love it so much um, yeah so anyways in case anybody uh, was waiting for that there it was <laughs> got him um, okay. now you know so let's see so she lies and uh they keep meeting. Uh, when I don't remember. At one point, they they're walking through the train station, and he like starts to kiss her, and she's like, "No, no, someone's gonna see." And then he's like, "Fuck it!" And they they make out. And it's beautiful the way that it's shot. It's very beautiful. It's this long hallway, lots of shadows, and then you can see the shadows of people coming, so they like scurry away. Um, I like. Guilty teens running off. Yeah, and that's what this whole movie is. It's just like these two middle class, sophisticated people acting like teenagers, just like giddy and falling in love. Yep. Uh, despite knowing that they have their lives, a point <laughs> that I will always go back to. And families and kids and yeah, good I just, relationships. I don't like it. I like it when people are faithful to each other i like well, it yeah i like it but that that wouldn't be a good movie that would be entertaining and scene four she's still on the crossword with her husband <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, oh the climax they figure out eight down yeah which i guess uh, if we're gonna keep going back to it before sunrise is kind of that it's two people who aren't in relationships i don't i don't think i don't think jesse and selena are in relationships at the beginning. See, but in Before Sunrise, that's still like the beginning of the relationship. If we're saying they just stay with their partners, this is like a married couple sitting in the drawing room doing a crossword. Yeah. I remember one time a friend of mine was like, yeah, happy people and happy lives aren't entertaining and don't make good books or movies. Yeah. Every comedian always jokes like when they get in a relationship about how it's the worst for a comedian to be in a happy relationship. Which is so sad because I just want everyone to be happy. Yeah, that's all I really want. But then I guess we wouldn't need comedy because we'd all be so joyous. That's all the true. Time. I just want everyone to be happy and satisfied. In I just want a utopia. That's all I want. Well, let's work on it. Okay. So um, they at one point, I think this is the night where he tells, where Alec tells Laura that he is offered a job in Johannesburg. Yeah, I think it's like they're saying. She was saying, like, we need to stop doing this. I think this is after they meet up in the flat, and then she says, like, okay. we can't 
be doing this. This is a bad idea. And he's like, all right, well, then the only option is for me to right. take this role. So before that, um, he's like, I'm going to go. They, they're hanging out, and he's like, I'm going to go back to my friend's flat. And she's like, mm, I'm going to go home. And she runs away. And he's like, well, if you decide to join me, mm-hmm. I'll be in the flat. He's very handsome. That myself. is something. He's a very He is like an archetypally 40s handsome man. Yeah. Um, kind of looks like Ben Kingsley a little bit. Anyway. I thought you were going to say Ben Hilton. (laughs) Just kidding. She gets on the train and she's like, oh, wait, I forgot something. Because she wants to go back and fuck this dude. Yeah. And so she runs to the flat. And the whole time I'm just like, do it. Don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Uh, And she gets to the flat. And he's there, and he's so excited, and he just—they greet each other with, they call each other darling, which is so small and so sweet. Um, and she comes in, and this was something that I, one of the uh, the articles that I read about this film, uh, somebody had a problem with this. They were like, why when she gets to the apartment, to the flat, do they just like talk about the weather and they like talk about the fire and they like they talk about all of these little things? And David Lean says, have you ever done something and then? the moment that you're starting to do it, you become very embarrassed about what you're doing. And he was like, that's what the scene is. And it's like, yeah, they, they can't actually look at the thing that they're about to do, even though they both want to do it. Yeah. They're still kind of like pretending they're not meeting up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get down and dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as almost immediately, uh, as she enters the apartment, the guy who owns the flat comes so she has to like rush out the back the door. Service elevator or something. Yeah. And so Alec's like, What's up, bro? And his bro is like, What's up, Alec? Um Decided to come to bed early, you know. And he f- my pipes are a little off. I didn't want to chat all night long. You and the, get it. And then he sees a woman's scarf on the couch and he's like, Oh. Oh, you're like that? Oh, I guess I came home at an inopportune time. Hmm, I guess I should apologize to you. Yeah. I didn't realize you were this kind of dude. Yeah, and Alex's like, don't even. And the dude's just like, I heard the scuffling of the feet as I walked up. Yeah, I believe he called it the indecent scuffling of feet. (laughs) Even when these people are enraged, they're really articulate. Very articulate. (laughs) It was so articulate that I couldn't even, like, remember what articulate word they were using. (laughs) And uh, so... The dude's like, I'm going to need my key back because... Uh, I've been so afraid. I've only got two. I thought I was worried I'd lose one. Yeah. So... Uh, he's this, very sneering. He's very sneering and he's very uh, condescending. Yeah. And kind of... And one of the, this is one of the things... This is probably the most actual destruction that this relationship does. It, it ends... It kind of ends a friendship for Alec. Or at least strains it. We don't know. I guess he's about to leave the country forever, so probably it's not going to continue. Right. I can't imagine what it would be like to not have the communication where when you go to a different place, you're like, well, I'm just never going to see that person. I could write a letter. I'll write a letter. Maybe they'll visit me once ever. Right. Maybe. Right. I can't... Ugh. can't even imagine. So, later, Alec tells Laura, he's like, hey, I love you. But I got this job offer, and she's like, okay, this is tough. Yeah. Well, I think it's more that she says, like, we, this is done. We need to do it. We need to end this. And he's like, all right, I think the only way that I could really call this over is if I just, like, leave. I have an offer to move to Johannesburg. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. Yeah. And so he does. And uh, they're like, all right, but we're going to meet one more time next Thursday, last time. Let's do it. At Starbucks. At Starbucks. <laughs> and they do. And that is the scene that we started with where mm-hmm. they're sitting in that in the Starbucks talking and motherfucker comes up and just ruins the moment. Just Oh my god, what's up? Ruins the moment. Could your old boy be so kind as to get me some tea? And he gets her the tea and she's like, I want sugar and he's like, It's on the spoon. <laughs> <It's there. laughs> uh, and There's too much milk in it. Hmm. <laughs> She's such a cunt. And uh, I guess this is a British movie, so that word's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, as the, but now we get to see what actually happened. So he leaves, and the woman goes to the counter, and we see, uh, in a in one of the only two really stylized shots in this entire film, we see Laura, uh, 
so overcome with emotion that she thinks about killing herself. Yeah, she almost jumps in front of she the almost, express she, train. She hears the express train coming, and the camera, she's thinking about it in the Starbucks, and she's the camera like rotates and tilts in a very strange way. And she runs out to the train and almost does it, but she can't. She says she's not brave enough. Yeah. And so she goes back in and, uh, yeah. And then she kind of like does her ending monologue. She does her in ending. her head. Yeah. Well, oh, and here's a line. I don't remember who even says it. Uh, I think they're talking about Henry VIII, I think. And they, they said the line, my kingdom for a horse is mentioned, which is kind of the whole premise of this relationship. That is the husband trying to find the answer in a crossword puzzle. There it is. Okay, so, um, and that's kind of the whole premise is like, do you give up all of this stuff that you've built, all of this stuff that you've worked for, for this one little thing? And the answer is no. Don't do it. Um, Don't cheat on your boy. Before before Alec leaves, though, he I almost included this line in uh, our show's opening montage. What? Yeah, uh, he says, if you die, she's like, uh, she's like, they're sitting there, and she's like, I'm miserable, I'm miserable, I want to die, I just want to die. And he's like, if you died, you'd forget me, and I want to be remembered. Oof. Yeah! <laughs> Mic drop, live your life forever. Uh, let's see. So she runs out to the train, and she's like, uh, she basically says, I have an o- only an overwhelming desire not to feel anything ever again. Um, which, yeah, girl, I feel you, I've been there. I've been there where you're feeling so much, you're like, I just, I can't. This is so tough. Uh, let me be clear. I'm not saying that I've ever I've thought about suicide, but I've been to a, a place where the emotions are so overwhelming that your like mind that they exceed your capacity to to like understand them. It's just it's really an intense thing that happens. And uh, she comes down and she goes back to her husband, and her husband. It's like oh, you've come back to me. He's like you. He was like you were very far away, and you've come back to me. Thank you for coming back to me. Like, so there's a hint of him being like, something's gone on. But it seemed like she, he was more referencing like, she was just kind of not present, right? Mentally, I think that the the subtle uh, implication was that he knew that something had happened with her, and he wasn't really ever going to pry her to figure out what it was. He was just glad that she was back. Yeah, and that's how the movie ends. And it's over. And it's over. And it's not a happy ending. And well, in some ways it is because she still she has is back her family. The, yeah, but honestly, it's not happy to me because I'm just like, oh, she fell in love with somebody else and she wanted that person more than anything, but she can't be with that person. I would say that she made it clear that she didn't want it more than anything because she said to him, we need That's to stop point. seeing each other. I have a family. That's a good point. That's a good point. I guess... She wanted And I want to talk through this. Like, is it... Is it what does it mean for someone to fall that passionately in love with someone else? Like, is that, I don't even know what I'm asking. It's just like, I feel like that is one of the worst things that could happen, but would it be worse if she had left? I would think, especially in the forties, like, I feel like that would be her whole life would fall apart. I guess I'm just like, I want like complete emotional commitment (laughs) and no, like, Emotional infidelity, okay, because that's what this is. Yeah, you know, well, with some kissing, which is a little smooching, but yeah. there was no, there was almost, they, all, they were gonna, they were going to. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tough. It's really tough. But that being said, it was a really beautiful movie. <laughs> I was, I don't know. Um, I don't know. You were glad you watched it. You had fun. Yeah, I liked it. Good. Like the accents, it was a, it was a good movie. I, I for a long time didn't think I liked movies that were made before like 1970. Because a lot of the ones I've seen aren't great. Yeah, but this one, I was like, oh no, they're I out mean, there. And also, like the subject matter seems like it could be a modern movie. Aside from their affected speaking patterns, it doesn't seem that old. So uh, one of the, I think Noel, the guy who wrote the pl- the one act play, uh, is gay, and I read that he at one point thought about making the two characters both male. That wouldn't have worked. Like, in the time, it wouldn't have been a popular movie. That's probably why he didn't. Yeah. But it's interesting to think about, because it, it does kind of, the forbiddenness of it even, like, heightens. Yeah. I just think, like, going back to like the censorship and stuff you talked about, 
it might have still ended up in the Criterion Collection, but it wouldn't have been like a movie that was widely known and watched in the right. 40s. It wouldn't be like There a, are a lot of movies probably like that that just got buried because yeah. they were like, no, we can't let anyone know that anyone behaves that way. It got shown in like one theater in San Francisco. And, and, and one in Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the actors were like, wait, you can't show that anywhere else or I'll never get work again. And it just never got anywhere. Yeah. Anyway, well, that was Brief Encounter, y'all. Thanks for listening. Um, Hilton, you're up next for next week. Did you have one? Did yeah, you come so, prepared? I'm always scared you're going to be like, meh. No, no. This is the easiest part. It's just like picking a movie. It's yeah. great. Uh, so last week, we missed our episode. This is my favorite part of Why? the whole episode, by the way. I love wondering what you're going to pick. Oh, okay. Well. Okay, give me hints. Actually, I'm, do your, do about, your intro. I'm about to. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know how last week we, we couldn't have our episode? Yeah. It was it was Easter. Yeah. Uh, I was with my family. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had, you know, when I was looking through movies today, I thought about the fact that we missed our movie last week because of Easter. Now, is this, is this enough hint for you? Do you have any idea where I'm going with this? You missed it because of Easter. Easter, missing Jesus. I, I had Easter on the brain when I picked this movie. Easter Bunny, Donnie Darko? No. Uh, Easter... What is happening? Jesus, Jesus Christ, superstar, last temptation of Christ. Uh, Do you want me to just go? Is there any other hints that you could give me? Well, yeah, so not really, no. Okay, go for it. <laughs> well, so uh, I was thinking about Easter, you know, Jeebus died for our sins, he's killed or whatever, <laughs> so came back. Jeebus. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I had that in the brain, and then I was kind of Googling around the Criterion Collection, looking around, mm-hmm. and then I saw a classic from Monty Python, The Life of Brian. Oh. The story okay. of Brian, my lord and savior. Yeah. Brian. Okay. And Can I tell you, watching. I've never seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. I saw it as a little kid because my dad was a huge fan of Monty Python. So yeah. We had like the whole box collection of the TV show. Yeah. Like 13 discs. We had uh, Holy Grail. I think we only rented this one. It was probably like my second or third R movie I ever saw. Okay. Okay. But I have not seen it in, like, at least eight years. Okay. Maybe ten. Cool. Well, we'll do Life of Brian next week. I'm excited. I am excited. There's a lot of lore around Monty Python. I know. I think this is our only movie in the collection. Maybe. Probably. It might be. Okay. Well, thanks, y'all. Uh, come back next week. Uh, roll credits. Roll